I do greet you this morning in that wonderful name of Jesus, the only name by which man might be saved. From the rising of the sun to the rising of the next day, that name will be lifted up all over the world today, the name of Jesus. And I pray and I believe that hundreds and thousands of people today will come into the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I want to thank Pastor Chris uh, for the opportunity uh, to stand here this morning. I do not take it lightly to stand in another man's pulpit. And so thank you for honoring me to be able to stand here in your pulpit today. God bless you. Jennifer and I are the founders of Christian Ministries in Africa. Uh, it's the umbrella organization that covers our Africa Churches on the Rock, our Grace Children's Centers, which are the four children's homes. And you got to see some of the pictures of the, the homes as they were coming up and as they've been built. Also, our Joshua Nations Bible Schools, which are church-based Bible schools. We have 13 Bible schools that are pretty much are going on uh, full-time, all the time. And, of course, our lab, uh, our doctor, nurse that's working with us. And you saw one picture of a chef standing there. So we want to invite Pastor Chris and you all to come sometime and see what God is doing there. And if you do, you'll stay in that guest house. And uh, Chef Felix is a wonderful cook. He cooks African style, but we've also taught him to cook American style. And he's learned to do salsa. We call it kachumbari, but he makes a really good salsa for you when he's, you're there, so when people are there. And guacamole, of course, we have to have guacamole with things. So he knows what now makes people happy, especially Texas groups. If he knows they're from Texas, he starts preparing a little hotter stuff, so you'll enjoy it a bit more. Uh, Jennifer and I have been in Kenya now for 34 years, as she said, and the last three years, we've not been here in three years, and uh, she was uh, diagnosed with ovarian cancer, and that was a battle, that was a war. I was diagnosed with leukemia two years ago, and uh, these three years, it, it has been a war. It's been a battle, but the work, God just keeps blessing. It just keeps expanding, and it keeps growing, but the, the battle has been fierce. But we both said when the smoke cleared, hallelujah, we were both still standing. We're still standing. And we're going to continue to stand and lift up that name every opportunity that we get. Uh, I was a businessman uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and uh, I was raised Baptist. Jennifer was raised Methodist. We got married in the Lutheran church. You know... <laughs> Sometimes God takes you on a journey. We ended up getting baptized in the Holy Spirit in Arlington. Then we moved to Rockwall, Texas to join Church on the Rock in Rockwall, where we met Pastor Sonny, Susan, Dr. Lee, uh, David Shibley. And uh, uh, Dr. Shibley has remained our dear friend for many, well, all those years. Uh, I've served as the Global Advance Africa representative for many years and have uh, organized and put together and received teams uh, and served in 13 nations in Africa where we've held conferences. And so uh, training and leading pastors uh, and, and leaders, key leaders is one of the most important things we can do that uh, I believe is pastors and leaders. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that this morning. So turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 uh, through 8. I'm also a prophet, so I know what you're thinking. This how long can this man preach? Hallelujah. Now, you know you're saying that. You're going to, is he going to keep us past 12? 
No, 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 no. I've got a 22-minute sermon and a 42-minute sermon, so I'm going to divide it in between. Hallelujah. Verses 6 through 8, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Let's pray for a moment. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Let the truth you have for us go deep into our hearts and our spirits. Change us with your word. Teach us with your word. Bring hope and comfort with your word. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Hallelujah. In these scriptures, I can see Paul's legacy to all of us. He's writing to the young man, Timothy. And I believe he's leaving him a spiritual heritage. But it's also to all of us who follow and to when we read these scriptures, and especially in verse 7, I have kept the faith, I have fought the good fight, and I have finished my race. What wonderful words that he's leaving a legacy for all of us who follow to keep the faith, to fight the good fight, to finish the race. And I was thinking, what if Jesus tarries another hundred years and church history is written? What will they say about us? What will they say about the church of today? What will they say about our generation? The churches in Africa, the churches here in America, the church here in Duncanville. I pray that when that history is written, that they will say about us, they fought that good fight. They kept the faith. They finished their race and they handed the baton to the next generation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to leave a legacy for those who are following us. Amen. I've reached the age now at 70 years old, I'm starting to see the finish line. Hallelujah. And so over the last several months, my heart has been making sure that those who follow, that I will leave a good legacy and a spiritual heritage to them. I want to finish well. How many of you want to finish well? I want to finish well. I want to finish strong. I want to be able to come into the presence of Jesus. And he looks at me and he says, well done. A good and faithful servant. Now enter into my rest. Amen. I want to do something in the time that we have been given that will make a difference in this generation. A difference for the, in the kingdom of God. I feel the spirit of God speaking to me today. And I believe to all of us, we can do something of eternal worth in the kingdom. Amen? Something of eternal worth. I want all of us, everyone in this building, to leave a legacy, a spiritual her heritage to our children, to our grandchildren, and to all of those who follow who will follow behind us. You know, some men and women, they start well, but they don't finish well. I have a word for someone here today. You've come too far to turn back now. Hallelujah. You've come too far. Don't turn back. Don't look back. Keep moving. We have a purpose and a destiny to fulfill. And we all can make a difference in some way. If God's calling you to be an usher, be the best usher there ever was. Leave a 
legacy of service that your children, I liked what you said about the worship today, that your children see you worship. They're watching their parents, their grandparents worshiping God. That's a legacy. You see, that's a, that's a spiritual heritage to your children. It's important the children to be in the service at times to see the adults, to see their family, their parents worshiping God and lifting their hands up to the Most High God. We can all do something. I loved hearing about the food bank, the food store, people doing something. I'm sure that people go out and help with this. See, you're leaving a legacy of service for those who follow. In these days, there's not a, I don't know, a lot of people who seem willing to serve. Most people are willing to be served, but they're not really ready to lay it all down and begin to serve other people, to be servants, to be servants of the Most High God. In Luke 17, 32, Jesus said something very interesting. All of his words are important, but he said this. He said, remember Lot's wife. Now, here's a woman that's being remembered, and we all know the story. Everybody's probably preached on it at some point. She what? She looked back. Now, why did she look back? I was looking at that scripture trying to, why did she look back? She had been told what the, what the future would be, but I think when she looked back, she was remembered. She left a family in that town. She left children. She left family. She left friends in that town and she knew what was going to happen to her but she could not resist turning and looking back one more time and it cost her it cost her you see you've come too far to turn back now don't turn back and look back now there's nothing back there there's nothing you need back there even though Jesus at one time said let your family stay behind take up your cross and follow me he said, don't look back at the town. Don't look back at the world. But it's funny, I think, the things we do remember. Amen? I remember singers. Of course, in my generation, it was Elvis Presley and the Beatles. But I remember those songs. I remember all of that. I remember the songs that take us back to another time and, a, and another place in our lives. Don't you know what? You know, do you hear a song sometime on the radio and you go, wow, that takes me back. You said those words. Well, that takes me back. Sometimes it's a good place. <laughs> Sometimes it was not so good a place, but it takes us to another time and another place. We remember. I remember the first astronaut, Alan Shepard, when he was launched, the first American astronaut to go into space. I was in the eighth grade, and uh, the principal turned on the PA system so we could hear the, the launch. And here is the first American went into space. And I remember that day. I remember that time. I remember movies. I remember one especially uh, called Hatari. Now, Hatari in Kiswahili means danger. And it was starring John Wayne. And it was a story of him in Kenya. And now after all of these years, after I saw that movie, here I am. I've been serving God in Kenya for 34 years. I remember. I remember that movie when I was 13 years old. I remember 1963 when our president, John F. Kennedy, was assassinated. That day, my mother came to my classroom to get me out of school. And I don't know about you, but my mother had a rule. You always went to school. You could have a 105-degree temperature, but that was no reason to miss school. So you went to school. But she came and got me, and she took me out, and 
So we're standing there on the side of the road in Fort Worth, because he was in Fort Worth, headed for Dallas. And the motorcade came by, and I can remember this day. To this day, I remember the motorcade coming by. I saw the Vice President Johnson. I saw all the governors. And then all of a sudden, here comes President Kennedy and his wife. And he was waving at people. And, of course, I'm standing there. And he turned, and he waved at me. He went, well, okay, there were thousands of us there. <laughs> but I knew he was waving at me. So I waved back like this. I was 15 years old. I was so excited. I went back to school. I told everybody what I had seen. 30 minutes later, we got the word. Our president was dead. Devastating day. I think everybody that's alive today or was alive then remembers where they were that day when they heard that news. I remember August the 7th, 1998, a bomb blast at the U.S. Embassy in Nairobi, Kenya. Over 5,000 people were hurt and wounded. Many Americans were killed in the embassy. I remember September the 11th, 2001, when the planes flew into the towers. And Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Now what, what will the church in the future remember about us? What will they remember about our time? What will they remember about our generation? How can we live a life in order to fulfill our purpose and leave a legacy for those who will follow. I'm going to give you five things very quickly this morning. I believe if you can do these things and make them part of your life, I believe that you will leave a legacy, a spiritual heritage, a legacy of service, and a legacy to all of those who will follow. The first one is this, very simple. You must have a vision for your life. You got to have a vision for your life. You got to know where you're going. See, if you don't have a vision, you've already arrived. You're already there if you don't know where you're going. Habakkuk 2 2 says, Write the vision that others may read and run with that vision. Proverbs 29 18 says, Where there is no vision, people perish. Another translation says it like this Where there is no revelation, People cast off restraint. They cast off all restraints. They begin to do their own thing. And I believe that's what's wrong with some of our generation today and our younger people is they don't have a vision for their life. They don't see where they're going. And so they begin to do drugs. They begin to get into alcohol because they've cast off all restraints. They've cost every, cast away everything. And sometimes it costs them. They go to prison. Sometimes it costs them their life because they don't have a clear vision of where they're going. If I ask you right now, where do you see yourself in three years? Where do you see yourself in three years? You need to think about that. Where do you see yourself in five years? What do you see yourself doing and accomplishing for your family, for yourself, in your job place, for your children, your grandchildren? Amen? See, you've got to have clear vision to know where you're going first second peter chapter 1 verse 10 says this therefore brethren be diligent to make your call and your election sure if you do these things says you will never stumble now a lot of people teach that scripture a little differently but when i see this i see vision that word stumble made me think about i i fear Many Christians go through their life just stumbling through life. 
never with a clear vision of where they're going. Every time something comes up, they stumble to the right. They stumble to their left. Something comes up, and they're stumbling. And they lead a, lead a life where they just stumble through life, just getting by. Instead of having a clear vision of where they want to go, what they want to accomplish, what they want to do. You see, if you only stumble, then you'll never get to where you're going. <laughs> you'll never get to that vision and, and what God has for you, a clear, clear vision. Number two, so number one, we've got to have a clear vision. Number two, you must maintain your values. Maintain your values. We've got to keep our Christian values in, this, in today's world. Amen? In Church on the Rock in Africa, I've got eight core values. Now, the word core means the very center. It's the very center of something. Of course, value, we understand that. It's something of value. So each of these things have value. If, if, if there are things in your life right now that are not adding value to your life, then you need to get rid of them. If it's not adding any value, alcohol, hallelujah, is it adding any value to your life? <laughs> okay, I know, a little glass of wine with dinner. Okay. But I'm just saying, is it adding value? Now, I'm, not, I'm not against drinking. or That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying things in your life that are not adding value. It's not it's part of your core DNA of who you are and what you believe. We have these core values, and we need to maintain them. We need to make no compromise to our our values. Amen. And I think as Christians, as we maintain that, those values, people need to see us for who we are. My Bible says, love your enemies. My Bible says, love your neighbors. And yet some of the stuff I see on social media by Christians, some of the things that are said, I'm going, wow. How can we win a lost and dying world if we show that kind of attitude? To it? We need to show love because the Bible says, for God, what? So love the world. He did not come into the world to what? Condemn the world. Amen? You got to maintain your values. Number three, you got to be a willing vessel, a willing vessel. God is looking for people who will be willing Vessels, willing vessels. Second Timothy 2, verses 20 and 21 says this, and I need to hurry. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. We must be willing vessels. In, in verse 21, it says a vessel of honor. God is looking for someone that he can pour himself into. And you will be a vessel of honor. A vessel of honor that God can use. Three words in that scripture were sanctified, useful, and prepared. Three words very important there. You have been sanctified. You've been set apart for service. Hallelujah. He sanctified you. He took you apart. He set you over here. And then it says you're useful. Hallelujah. See, when he sanctifies you and sets you apart, then you are useful for the master's work. 
And it says then, number three, you will be prepared for every good work. Not every work, but what? Every good work. Hallelujah. Thank you. Help me preach this thing. I like this. For every good work. We need to be willing, willing vessels. So we need to have a vision. We need to maintain our values. We need to be willing vessels. And, and then number four, we need to understand our vindication. Understand our vindication. Psalm 17 in verse 2 says this, let your vindication come from your presence. God has vindicated us. Now, the definition of vindicated means declared innocent. Hallelujah. You have been declared innocent. Everything that happened in your past is in the past. Do not ever, ever let your past define who you are. The past is behind you. The things that were there, they're there now. Amen? Because what, turn to your neighbor and just say, you've been declared innocent. Help me preach this. Say, you've been declared. Somebody needed to hear that today. Somebody needed to hear that today. You've been declared innocent. Because I know what the devil does. He comes to you. He whispers to you and says, remember? See, he remembers too. He says, remember when you were 15 years old? You remember that summer? You remember when you were out at the lake? Do you remember that? You go, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Don't be defined by your past. Be defined by your future. Amen? I call them defining moments. And as uh, I'd been hearing about your name change, and I'm defining moments. I believe that's going to be a defining moment in the life of this church. It's going to be a defining moment. See, a defining moment is something that happens that changes everything that's been going on. Not that everything was bad or anything. It just all of a sudden whoo, takes you a little higher, and it's a defining moment in our lives. We all have had defining moments. Jennifer and I had a defining moment in 1983 in Rockwall, Texas. I was a businessman, as I said. That was our desire. That's what we thought we'd be. But God had another plan for our life. It was a defining moment when we said, yes, Lord, we will go. We will do anything you want us to do. I was thinking about uh, Abraham in Genesis 17. His name was Abram at the time, which meant exalted father. But he, the Bible says he fell down and worshiped. And God said, now your name shall be Abraham, which means the father of many, a defining moment. He was the father of many nations. Today, the three world greatest religions, what? Call on Father Abraham because he's been the father of many nations. I was thinking about Moses. He had a defining moment at the burning bush. You know, you may have heard this before, but Moses spent the first 40 years of his life thinking he was something. Wow, he was the son of the Pharaoh. Can't you see him with those four horses out there in that chariot? And he's whipping those horses, and he's, he's riding around 17 years old. He's, look at, look at me who I am. Then he spent 40 years on the backside of the desert thinking he was nothing, unimportant. And then at the burning bush was a defining moment for Moses. It was a defining moment in the life of Israel because he realized something. God is everything. He went from something to nothing to where God is everything. I don't know where you're at in that cycle today. 
You may be here today thinking, you know what, I'm, God could never use me. I'm unimportant. Listen, it is never too late. It is never, it's never too late. Amen? A defining moment. Number five, walk in the victory. You got to walk in the victory that Christ won for us. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57 says this, Thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When he hung on the cross, hallelujah, oh, hallelujah. As Jesus hung on the cross, you were on his mind. As the blood was running down his body from the sword in the side, from the crown of thorns and the blood running down his face, as he hung on that cross, we were on his mind. And we were called out that day. We were called into an eternal salvation for those that received him as Lord and Savior and would believe that he died for us and rose again. We can have eternal life. Pastor Chris, when he died on the cross, you were on his mind for today, for this generation, for this time. Amen. Wayne, when he was on the cross, you were on his mind. Different generations, different times, but God, oh, hallelujah. I thank God so much for my salvation. For I have a fruitful, productive life. Fulfilling your purpose, you must have what? Number one, a clear vision. Number two, you must maintain your values. Number three, you must be a willing vessel. Number four, you must understand your vindication. You've been declared innocent. Number five, then walk in the victory that Christ won for us on the cross. If you do that, you're going to experience, number one, the presence of God like you've never experienced before. You're going to experience his purpose for your life like you've never felt before. And number three, you're going to experience the power of God in your life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you uh, for each and every person here today. I pray, Lord, that this word will go deep into each and every heart and that, Lord, that they'll live, everybody's going to live their life in order, a, a, a life of service and a, and a life that those who follow will want to emulate and that we can leave a spiritual heritage, a spiritual legacy to our children, our grandchildren, to the churches, to the people who follow us, and that one day, one day, we will all celebrate in heaven what the Lord has done through our lives. I pray for that. There, there's someone here today that's going to have a defining moment in their lives. You've come too far to turn back now. There's going to be a defining moment, and you're going to see something very clear because you've thought about giving up. You've thought about giving up, but the Holy Spirit right now is speaking to you. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to you right now. It's going to be a defining moment for someone here today. Maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Defining moment. It'll define who you are in the future. It'll define you, who you will be. In Jesus' name we do pray. Mungo albriki nyinyote. That's God bless all of you in Kiswahili.